Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Hello, friends. Wow, that's a little loud. Can you hear me there? All right. So good to be with you. Um, Today, I have, I've been working on today for a number of weeks uh, because I've been um, listening and discerning what is I'm seeing in the world, and I really, really feel that there's instruction for the church, and I mean like the global church in some of these things. I've been compiling uh, thoughts from a lot of amazing people. I've been watching and observing. I've been using scripture to really um, discern some things, and so today my purpose is to shine a massive light into the darkness and to give uh, instruction for you. I hope that if you're listening at home, if you are here, that you will take one, if there's one big thought that hits, that you'd write that down, that you'd really, really uh, think on these things, and also pray for discernment. Uh, when someone like me says something like that, go, hey, I have instruction, that doesn't mean it's, I mean, I think it's true. What I'm saying is I want you to discern it. I want you to use your spiritual discernment to make sure that God is connected with you. But I really feel the Holy Spirit is, um, wanting us to um, really dispel um, evil and darkness and lies. And um, there's some things that I think will be really encouraging. Let's start with this. If you read with me Ephesians six 12, let's read this together. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against, making sure you can see it, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I say that in the beginning because what I'm talking to you today, I am not speaking from the left, I am not speaking from the right, I am partnering with the Holy Spirit to speak from above. Do you see the difference? There is so much left, there is so much right, and it is divisiveness, and the Holy Spirit's going, no, 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 I need to call all of you, all of the sons and daughters of the Most High God, up to see things from above. Because when we see from above, we can easily go, oh my goodness, look at that. Yeah, obviously. So when the Holy Spirit shows us things from above, then truth can begin to um, really invade uh, lies. And I think that's what's um, going to happen today. Uh, Because the devil lives in darkness, the brightness of truth will begin to break his power over the lives and over our world. And um, so here's my hope for you today. I'm asking God to heal any unbelief um, that um, the chaos of the world, that the anxiety that's being spread, that all of the turmoil and all of just the, the crazy tsunami waves, that those are bigger than God. They're not. I want to dispel the whole premise that this world is in chaos and therefore God is not in control. That is a lie. He actually is in complete control. He has big muscles. He's our heavenly father. So I want to provoke in each of us this reality. He's on his throne and what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to remove some obstacles in the way that we think. So here's a big aha. Uh, Today I want to call each of us up to this reality. That one follower of Jesus, walking in the truth, can be the most powerful force on earth. I'll say that one more time. One follower of Jesus, walking in the truth, can be one of the most powerful forces on the earth. 
that a son and daughter of the Most High God can become a terror to hell and all demons within it. And so if you, if you hear me over the course of every time I speak, I talk about the sons and daughters because I have this belief that most of us don't know who we are. We've been told something. We've been told we're sinners, sinners, sinners. And yes, we, have, we are sinners saved by grace, but that's really not true when, it looks what, when Jesus looks at us. He looks at us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. So when we understand who we are, we can begin to take control we can begin to use the force and the power that he's given us to dispel rumors and myths and lies. And um, so that's my hope. My hope is that you'd like literally step into who you are today and that you deal with the anxiety that's over some of us. Like when the word coronavirus or COVID, there is fear that's pervaded. By the way, I know it's real, okay? But I will tell you this, that it's not more powerful than the Lord. So therefore, uh, a few weeks ago, I just sent a little Facebook message to go, anyone want to join me? Anytime we hear the word COVID, then we immediately pray that the back is broken, that COVID is broken in the name of Jesus. So that was just the prayer. Anytime you hear it, that it is broken, that it doesn't have control over us. It doesn't mean we don't wash our hands. It doesn't mean we don't wear masks. It doesn't mean we don't social distance, okay? I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is it doesn't have power over us in that regard. That's just one example of overcoming uh, fear. So um, some other truths. If we walk in this light, then you will fear no evil, but all evil will be in fear of you. Uh, James 4, 7 says it. If we resist the devil, he will not only leave us, but he will actually free, um, flee from us. So what I'm asking is that we would actually step into an offense, not defense. Defense is, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Offense is like taking ground in the name of Jesus. You get, you get what I'm saying? So the idea is how do we step into offense and before we can do that, we actually have to deal with some things. So First Peter 5, 6, and 10 through 10 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty right hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Is that right? It's like that's what's happening right now in the world. Like we join together with all the sons and daughters of the most high God who can step into power in an offensive way, not being afraid at every single news uh, story that comes out, but we can step into who we are and begin to believe in the power of God. So it's the overcoming season that we're in, and um, I'm gonna talk about uh, a couple of strongholds that the enemy is using, a couple of the most uh, evil things he's using to stir up and cause uh, a defeatist mentality he's using to um, he's using to steal, kill, and destroy. And these superpowers, if you will, that we have have to be uh, have to rise up, but we have to deal with these other powers. And these other powers that Satan's using is they're really embedded into our world, embedded into our souls. They're two main things, and they are pride and their fear. 
and I want to address them. I want to actually, I want you to join with me in smashing pride and fear and actually killing it in ourselves and then starting to pray that those two things are defeated. And I'll explain why those two things are being used, pride and fear are being used to keep all of us captive, all of us divisive. And I'll explain it and hopefully it makes rational sense. But uh, pride is basically the belief um, that you're better than someone else. Pride is the belief that I'm self-sufficient. Pride is in the belief I don't need God and I don't need you. I'm good, I'm good. What do you mean I don't? It happens at work. It happens in relationships. You mean you don't think I know what I'm doing? It's actually rooted in the second, which is fear, which is insecurity. And insecurity is this long, every one of us are insecure. We don't match up. We're not good enough. We're not strong enough. Are the people going to find out that I really don't know what I'm doing? It's the idea that we're always trying to prove ourselves. We have something we're afraid of losing. There's something we're trying to hide. And what happens then, this pride and fear gets put into us. And with pride comes judgment. Judgment is the, the, um, what, what happens when pride is inside of us is that we judge other people because they're not good enough or we're better. See, I, you know, we're better. I'm better than you. Or, or walls come up because of fear. Mean, I don't understand you. I don't understand your culture. I don't understand your race. I don't understand who you are. So I'm afraid of you. So I'm going to keep you at bay. So I have pride and I have fear, and that's the enemy's um, Molotov cocktail to really uh, stir up the resentment and the hatred and everything that's going on in this season. Um, Satan uses pride to convince us that we don't need God. He then uses fear to pull us away from helping each other. So here's how it plays out. Racism is the complete mixture of pride and fear. If you want to understand what that is, it's pride and fear. It's just used. Racism is, um, uh, it's basically this con- concept when, when they are broken, then ra- when pride and fear are broken, racism will have no power in humans. But the reality is that the Satan's been using racism since the beginning of time. Uh, he's been using racism with the Jew versus Gentile. Uh, that the Jews were better than the Gentiles in that regard. And, and Jesus actually made a way for us to be grafted in. He's been um, using it in World War II. He created and invaded the Christian German church and provoked them to think they were better than the Jews, which caused a genocide through a maniac, right? He used it in Rwanda with the Hutus and the Tutsis. You can see racism playing out. It wasn't just slavery alone. It's been a part of our world since the very beginning because they are tools the enemy uses to divide us. They are tools that the enemy uses to keep us down, to destroy us. And ultimately, he, what he's doing is he's turning us against one another to destroy each other. And that's the opportunity we have to break it. A person becomes a racist when they believe that they are far superior than anyone else, which is pride, or when they're afraid of the other person or the culture to keep and choose to keep them separate from them in some, some way, which is fear. In uh, Matthew 24, 7, um, Jesus described the end times. He said, when nation will rise up, the end times will happen when nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And that word nation in the Greek means ethos or ethnic. Ethnic kingdom against ethnic kingdom. So it's, it's obvious. Like in the world, pride and fear is rampant. They are the currency of the devil 
in the schemes of man. But we are above that, not in pride, we're above that in humility because of Jesus. And I'll explain how we, God's people, have a chance to rid ourselves of the depth of racism in this season if we see it from above, not from the left, not from the right. And that's really, really important to understand. It's time to confront it from God's view in order to calm the storm. You know, uh, Jesus was always good at calming storms. One act, one word will calm a storm. And it's us, it's our, it's Jesus in us that has the ability to calm pride and fear and hatred. So here's the reality. You can have love and even genuine forgiveness, but if you do not have trust, a relationship is not possible. Fear and pride tear down the trust that makes relationships work, which creates division. Fear breaks relationships just as trust is the bridge that establishes relationships. So how do we break the power of pride and fear? Now, this is obvious to most of us, but what I'm about to say is foolishness to the world because they can't comprehend it. Pride and fear can only die at the foot of the cross. Only. It can only be dealt with through Jesus. Because if I try to be a better human, there's still racism in me. There's still pride in me. There's still fear in me. Until my pride and my fear is dealt with, I'll always have issues. And so with pride, it has to be broken at the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ can confront and overcome the pride of man and the ultimate insecurity that is in us. And the Holy Spirit was sent to convict the world of sin because it is the revelation of our sin that drives us to the cross to find grace and forgiveness. While we were worshiping, it was beautiful. I was about to cry as a few people came and knelt uh, knelt here and just worshiping whatever was on their hearts and minds, whatever prayers were being prayed. That was a sign of humility. And humility is the sign of a brokenness. And a brokenness gets restored and gets built up. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. It's the reality that you can only come to go, no, 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 Lord, I'm finished with my rebellion. I'm finished trying to be self-sufficient. I'm finished trying to be the man. I'm finished thinking I I have it all. I'm finished thinking I'm better than other people. I humble myself before you, Jesus, and I accept all of my sin has been forgiven in one moment. I accept that. That's, pr- that's when pride is dealt with. Only when that pride is dealt with at the cross and actually died and nailed on the cross can the Holy Spirit begin to lift you up into secure, confident humility. Secure, confident humility means we walk in the power of the Most High God knowing I'm a son and you're a daughter or a son. We live with Jesus, we walk with him, we start learning from him, we start hearing from the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden fear starts to dissipate because I'm not um, held captive to these thoughts that I'm better and the judgment that's in us for other people, but instead I've humbled myself to the point of allowing the cross to do its work. This destroys our pride, establishes our dependency on the Savior, which restores our trust in him. The deeper the, wor- the cross works in us, the more humble we'll become and the more secure we'll be in his love. When we are accepted back into him by his grace, then God works a tolerance in us for those who are different from us. This is the secret from dealing with racism. We have to have spiritual eyes. 
Spiritual eyes see people for who they really are. They see the core of who they are, not out of skin color, not out of job title, not out of any other thing. They see specifically who they really are, not just who they play on TV. It's a different different act, but it only happens when we submit ourselves and humble ourselves before the throne. It is in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. God works this tolerance. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we, we knew Jesus according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer, meaning he's changed. He's been transformed. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, they are a new creature. The old things have passed away and the new has come. Now, I've always read that before, but I've never read the first part. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. The new creation doesn't see racism. It can't because it has spiritual eyes. You and I have spiritual eyes. We see people for who they really are, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Just not fully understood yet. So when we look at people, we're not judging people because we, we see things as the, ju- the judge judges. We don't. We play a different role. It's therefore impossible to truly deal with racism until you've been crucified with Christ, until pride is dying in Jesus and fear must be eradicated from your life. Racism will continue until you deal with it in God. Here's the other big aha. Racism is not about race. It's about the pride and fear that drives the behavior. So racism is being leveraged right now by the enemy to divide. But all of us who have spiritual eyes need to step in and bring power and love and a sound mind. Amen? Isaiah 11, 2 through 3, in speaking of Jesus, says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his eyes hear. Like, it is a, uh, it's a different lifestyle to walk in a discernment of the Holy Spirit, because all we're doing is looking at people going, Lord, what do you have for them? What are you doing in them right now? Um, I have the privilege, um, I've been working with senior leaders and some world leaders in some cases over the last 20 plus years. And I've been in meetings uh, with some people that would be labeled as autocrats, um, dictators, some uh, foreign prime ministers. I've, I've sat and been with people who have led the worst lifestyle And yet when I'm with them and can sit with them and ask the Holy Spirit, I see the little boy or the little girl that's inside of them. And I start understanding what God, what are you doing in them? Where are you in them? Not what does the world see, not as the judgment, not as what's the uh, storyline of the moment, not what the news reporters stir up and create, but the internal person and all of us are that person. All of us have something going on And it's the discernment of the Holy Spirit that does the work. And he needs you and I to do that work. Jesus said, it's going to be greater for you that I leave. Because when I leave, I'm coming inside of you. And when I I come inside of you, we're going to do greater things than I even did when I was on earth. Which means that we have to be ready. We have to be to the point where our pride can be crucified in Christ. Where our fear can be dissipated. So that we step into faith. We step into love. We step into hope and all truth. 
we have to step into his power. When the Holy Spirit comes into a person, everything makes sense. It's, it's foolishness to the world, but it makes sense to everyone else. Jesus is on the inside. We see things like God sees. We no longer judge people by skin color. We see people from God's perspective, and that's when the healing comes, when we see people from God's perspective. And when we join in with the Lord for them, that's when healing can begin. We are people who imitate Jesus. We follow Jesus. What did Jesus spend his time doing? He spent his time speaking about the kingdom of God, healing the sick, casting out demons, and raising the dead. That's what he did. So our job becomes healing, casting out, and raising up. But we must be healed by our, of our own pride and fear, um, fear, which only happens through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So um, the body is the place where men will be unified again regardless of race or culture of language. When Jesus is lifted up, every knee will bow in humility, just like we saw before. And they will see God's plan for others when they hear him. So thanks for listening to this because I'm in, I've been writing these things and these thoughts are just deep. And it's not my normal style of teaching. But these are things that I just feel, again, are instruction. And there's some key points here that the gates of hell are the enemy's biggest access points into our life. And racism is one of the biggest door that the devil has been using in our world. When we escape the pride and fear of racism, we become the biggest threats to the devil because we are the ones who can close the doors. We are the ones who can close the doors of hate and hell and death that's in us. You see, racism... Racism, thank you. Racism is the predecessor to death. It brings death. And we can, we can stop that. To step into the power of God means that we become free of it. We replace pride and fear with humility and faith. The two of the greatest powers on earth. A strong trust must be built as a bridge out of racism into love. So here's some crazy things. I know I'm a white guy, but I'm about to say some things that I think are profound. And these aren't mine. These are some things that I read from um, a really profound book called Overcoming um, Evil in the End Times. Um, and this was the, the phrase that Rick Joyner said. And I, I just agree with it. I thought it was so powerful. I wanted to read it to you. It's the destiny of the black race to carry freedom to a new level. This will be the true freedom with the dignity and honor that God created men to have. We know it is by Jesus' suffering that we are healed at the cross and receive authority for healing in the very place where we are wounded. The black race is going to embrace the cross, receive healings for their wounds, and start loving white Americans with such power that we will that we'll all be set free by that love. When the black Americans are fully healed, they'll bring revival and true spiritual liberty to the entire nation and especially to their oppressors. But it's going to take a massive amount of courage and humility and faith to overcome the hurt of pride and fear because it exists on all sides and all men. And the Holy Spirit's here to guide us. So we've got this opportunity as Americans, and as America, we either move into 
uh, a higher role or we fall like every nation before us has ever ever done. And that's that's the interesting part of the season that we're in. I think we all feel it, but I'm just saying, don't look from the left or the right. You know what I mean when I'm saying that? The politics, we have to look from above. We have to join the Holy Spirit to see it and discern it from that level. We must humble ourselves before the Lord God Almighty and ask him to eradicate the pride within us and the fear that consumes us, which means that we kneel at the cross and allow the blood of Jesus to fully, fully heal us. I mean, any anger or retribution or rage or malice or slander has to be dealt with at the cross because the only one that can heal all of that is Jesus. It's the only one. We must give him every wound and every sin and ask him to make us one. So we're united as brothers and sisters of the most high God. And when this happens, it will look, it will be natural to look at the body and help it, not hurt it. To look at each other as valuable, not disdain it or, or become jealous. And this starts in the church. The church has been one of the biggest uh, keepers of pride and fear. And uh, it has to be dealt with. The church needs to be unified, but only when we deal with it at this level. So we have to stop. Now here's, uh, now I'm like, this is a 21st century fire and brimstone right here. Um, we have to stop getting our thoughts from the world. We have to stop getting our thoughts from the world. We can't expect to walk in the truth if we continue to receive our discernment from the media. We can't get our information from Facebook. Seriously, you guys, we have to stop. It isn't doing nothing but divisiveness and provoking people against each other. There's always a story beyond the story. There's always more to it. So it's our time to experience deep humility. It's a time as 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. It's time for us to join Jesus. And here's what's happening. Every single second of every day, there's two things that are coming before the throne of God. Accusation and intercession. Um, Revelations 12.10 states that Satan accuses the brethren day and night. Day and night. To the degree that Satan has access into our lives, he will use us to accuse and criticize other people. That means that we could be partnering and taking others down all because we believe we are right and they are wrong, pride and fear. And there are um, seemingly thousands, or I don't know how many, the majority seemingly are partnering with the enemy to criticize and accuse each other. Jesus, all the while in Hebrews 7.25, it says that Jesus lives to intercede for us. And so we have two options. We can either partner with the enemy to accuse each other, or we can partner with Jesus to intercede for each other, to pray for each other, not against each other. I had a big epiphany this week on prayer. I've always had a hard time with prayer. I don't know why, because um, I maybe didn't understand uh, fully, but it hit me, and I've been praying different prayers maybe over the last 10 days. Uh, prayer is putting power at, at play. Prayer is powerfully claiming what you want. Prayer is loosing on earth what is in heaven. What will be loosed, what will be bound on earth, what will be loosed on earth. So what you're doing is we're basically partnering with God for things to happen. 
it just changed. It was subtle. It was simple. And so I just started praying for COVID to be broken. Everyone agree with that? I started praying for pride to be taken down. I started praying for fear to be out of my life. I started praying for you. I started asking for the Father to wake you up. We want to talk about um, being fully alive. It means that we are fully understanding who we are and whose we are and stepping into that power and authority. And with power and authority comes love. And then we become people who have the fruit of the Spirit. That when we walk behind us is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, gentleness. All of these fruits of the Spirit are the fruits of a son and a daughter who has come to Jesus and been healed. And then has been opening arms to go, use me, Lord, for your benefit and your glory, for the benefit of others. And when that happens, we walk in power. And I share this kind of, I feel, I feel monotone and because this is not my typical style, but it's like instruction. But it's deeply rooted in truth to go, we have to overcome the darkness. And we only overcome the darkness with light. Accusation destroys. The addiction to criticism is the main reason there is so little light, there's so little healing, there's so little power happening right now. We are addicted to criticism. We have to stop it, you guys. We have to stop criticizing in Facebook, primarily. We have to stop Twitter. We have to stop criticizing uh, the president, like him or not. We have to stop criticizing any governors. We have to stop criticizing any people, city, civic leaders. We're told by Paul several times, pray for our leaders. We're responsible for bringing life to them and, and helping them, not hurting them. And the whole reason is that there'll be peace. That's what we're doing. It. And that's, this is not left or right, okay? It really is not. It's simply saying we have to get away from criticism being our most spoken language. Criticism is the ultimate manifestation of pride because when we criticize someone else, we assume we are superior to them. But we know that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So when we, let's, let's stop partnering with the enemy to accuse each other and resist God. I mean, think of this. When I'm accusing you as a son or daughter of the Most High God, what does the Heavenly Father do? A father would, if you accuse my kids, what am I going to do with you? Am I going to come and rescue them? Am I going to come to their, their aid? Absolutely. So we're, we're hurting our heart of our father by criticizing his sons and daughters, our brothers and sisters. So instead, we choose, like James 4, 11 and 12 says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but setting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who, who are you to judge your neighbor? The truth is this, Jesus encourages and gives hope. Satan condemns and gives hopelessness. Jesus calls up, Satan calls out. Jesus heals, he casts out, he raises up. Satan steal, steals, kills, and destroys. 
It's obvious. If we're truly filled with the Holy Spirit, then we will possess Jesus' nature and we will have the fruit of the Spirit. And we will walk like in Isaiah 58, 8 through 12. It says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. And you will cry for help and you, he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself in behalf, on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and you will strengthen your frame. You will, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of dreams and dwellings. This is a promise. It's a promise for us to be the peacekeepers, the light givers, the sons and daughters, the ones that are full, the ones that have the truth, the ones that speak the truth, the ones that speak the truth in love, the ones that call people up, not out, the ones who heal, who restore, who raise up, who cast out, the ones who bring life to people. It's time for us, you guys. It's time for us to step into who we are, which means we have to deal with our wounds. We have to deal with our hurts, but we have to step back in to our authority as sons and daughters to do good, to bring righteousness to not continue to condone accusation and criticism, to not play to the obvious puppet mastery of Satan, to cause some of us to do the most stupid things, to hurt the body, all in the name of a political position, all in the name of some thought or some group speak in the moment. The group speak is constantly shifting. There's something happening and we have to come from above and see it from above. There was a, um, in Isaiah 48, Isaiah talks about the, the uh, Moab and he talks about the story of wine vats and he kind of goes on to this little concept and it's really interesting. In Back in the day to purify wine, they would have these wine vats and they'd put wine in a vat and all the sediment and all the impurities would kind of just dissipate and go fall to the bottom. So they'd kind of release and go all the way to the bottom and then they let it last there for a day or two. Then they'd tip it over and put it into another wine vat and let the process happen again, but keep the, the sediment and all the impurities at the bottom of the wine. And then they would clean that out. So then they would have this other and they would do the same thing. And then when they'd have like a third vat and then a fourth vat, and, you know, so some of them were like, yeah, this is four vat wine here. You know, it's like that's really pure wine by the time it gets to four vats. So what happened in, in Isaiah 48, um, Isaiah says, and Moab, basically, you're a one-vat wine, meaning you never tipped over to release your impurities. You're full of impurities. So the, the, the judgment on Moab was that you'll be thrown out and thrown away because you're worthless, you're impure. The opportunity that we have in these waves that we're being hit with, these waves produce change. They give us a chance to reset. They give us a chance to restart and reset and reevaluate. And in the reevaluation, let the vat tip over. 
let yourself tip over and change, true change, which is in repentance. So when you tip over, the impurities stay. And we get rid of pride. We get rid of fear today. We then become pure. And there maybe there's something else, the Holy Spirit. And it says, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. That's David, King David, talking about being tipped over, basically. And that's the season that we are, that we're in. This is our destiny. And I'll, I'll just say um, to the uh, worship team, if you want to come on up, you come on up. And uh, we'll have a little, little session here with the Lord. But this is our destiny. As sons and daughters of the Most High God, we must become pure and cleansed, pure and cleansed of pride and fear. We must turn our criticism into intercession to pray for those who persecute. And when we call people up, not out, we begin to grow in love and in power and we become the peacemakers that change the world. And Satan, who is full of his own pride and fear, will flee from the power and love of Jesus in each of us. And racism will die at the feet of of the humility and trust that we have in the Father and the cross of Jesus will have done its work and the Holy Spirit will guide each and every one of us in power. And pride will die at the foot of the cross and fear will be eradicated in faith and belief and love will cover every transgression. You see, Satan is um, casting pride and fear because he's full of pride and fear. He's wanting to be like God. He's wanting us to believe that he has the power to be like God. He does not have the power. The power has been taken away from him by Jesus. He does not have the authority for death. But we we act like he's equal to God. He's not. He's insecure because if he's read the Bible, he knows where he's going to end up. He knows what's happening, what you would think. So he's full of fear, and he's just casting that fear on us. What I'm asking for each one of us is can we get to the place where we no longer let fear drive us? Where we no longer are afraid of someone else or afraid of something, but we step into the power of Jesus and and understanding the Holy Spirit. We start listening to the Holy Spirit and partnering with him to discern, hear things. Where we don't look for the media to tell us or if someone's Facebook post or some article that someone wrote but instead we would actually glean wisdom and say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now? What are you wanting to go? Where are you taking us? Can we get to the place where pride is not even, I mean, pride is so below us. I mean, it's not even a part of us. It doesn't stick to us. It just falls off of us. So that pride just doesn't exist. The pride of the flesh, the pride of man, the pride of being somebody, having it all together, the pride of being better than someone else. Can we actually ask for the eyes, the spiritual eyes of the new creation that we are, that we can actually see into each other's souls and hearts and see what's God, what God's doing? And can we join with the Holy Spirit to heal and to cast out and to raise up so we partner with the Holy Spirit? We don't criticize or judge. See what I'm going? This is our chance, you guys. This is our season to allow this, these waves of turmoil not to get the best of us, not to take us out, but to make us stronger. Like this is the chance to not waste a good crisis. Don't waste this crisis. It makes us stronger. So when a wave hits us, we're like, okay, come on, bring another one. Yep. 
Yep, it tipped that vat over. Great, I'm getting stronger. I'm growing in the Lord. I'm getting closer to Jesus, right? So every wave that hits us, come on, one more. Let's go. Make, make me stronger. And, and guess what comes out of it? Comes out of it is the purity, the love, joy. Man, can, can you imagine if sons and daughters spent less time posting their opinions and spent more time walking with the Spirit so that everything, love and joy and peace and patience just exudes from us. It's everywhere. Holy Spirit, this is your time. These are your people. We are your people. And we ask, Father, and you tip us over. You tip over this vats of all of us. The impurities would be settled, that we might be to the place where we would experience the death of pride and the resurrection of humility. True life, Lord, that you would give us just this peace that surpasses all understanding and that you give us peace with men, with each other, that there would be no judgment in us, but only faith, only love, only humility, that this love would cover a multitude of sins, Lord. We pray that you would break the back of COVID. We pray that you would break the enemy's strongholds of pride and fear. We ask, Father, that you would bring all of this into the light. And for any of us right now, Lord, if there's anything that you want to do, if there's any pride, I just ask that you would show us what it is to drop it at the foot of the cross. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would then start guiding us into hope and trust, not in fear. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And Jesus, that you'd be lifted high and that the God of all creation would receive the glory forever. And there'd be peace on earth between all men and women. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com. Dot com.